When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Welcome. 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 Welcome on in. To the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. Chris Thomas joined, as always, by the head honcho, Mike Conti. And Mike, we had ourselves a weekend here in Atlanta. The Hawks continue to give us the drama, and we have some Super Bowl shenanigans to recap. But first and foremost, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? It was good. Uh, you know, a, a, a very laid back, very chill, uh, just at home by myself with my wife and, uh, she fell asleep in the second quarter. So it was really, oh, no. yeah, I, I could concentrate on the game. Like I, I usually don't get invited to Super Bowl parties, uh, for one of two reasons. Um, the people at work, I think they, they don't want me to to be at their Super Bowl party because you never want to invite the boss. Like you just don't want to do that. When, when you, um, when you have a party among people who you work with, you end up talking about work the whole time. And I don't know, uh, you just, you never want the boss there. Uh, and then for my non work, um, you know, circle of friends, I just, I talk too much during the game and, uh, no one really likes having me around. So, um, the last couple of years I've been watching the Super Bowl kind of by myself and it's been great. I've been able to concentrate and, um, you know, I, I get to pay attention to all facets of the broadcast because no one in the room is talking or distracting me or anything like that. I can pick the food I want. It's, it's, just, it's wonderful. So, yeah. Good experience. How about you? What uh, Did you have fun? What did you end up doing? Yeah, uh, I went to a local watering hole down the street for me. Living in Midtown, my options are plentiful. Yeah. Um, I was considering doing a bar hop just to get a kind of different feel for the different bars around Midtown, but I kind of settled in and found my little corner of the room. And so, so I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'm really into the football game, and at right. any given bar, there's – Maybe 25% of people are there for the game. 25% are there to just hang out with friends and casually pay attention. 25% are there just for the commercials and the halftime. And then the other 25% are just going because their friends are going and they could care less about any of it. Exactly. So, so with that mix in there, I, I tend to just gravitate towards where the TVs are, where the beer is, and just and just watch the game. But, yeah, same thing. I – I enjoyed sort of being locked in. Um, I don't like the distractions either. I'm there. It's the best game of the year, or at least it's supposed to be. So if you have somebody, you know, making a, making a mess of a situation every 30 seconds that doesn't care about the game, you're like, this guy over here needs to leave, but it's not my house, so I can't kick him out. So that's sort of my theory on Super Bowl parties. They're they're a bit overrated. Where, um, was the bar you went to crowded? Because oh, to yeah. be honest, yeah. I don't really associate the Super Bowl as being a big, um, you know, bar watching experience. I feel like it's more of a, a house and and condo and apartment type deal than um, you know actually going to a watering hole. 
Yeah, I think because of where I live, that dynamic's a little bit different. Yeah. Because you have all the, the city folk that are here that are like me that maybe don't have a car or don't have the easiest way to travel. So Peachtree Street was was popping as the kids say, Mike. It was it was a really good it was a really right. good time. We'll get we'll get back into the Super Bowl in just a minute, but I do want to talk about our Atlanta Hawks because they had themselves quite an interesting weekend. And I know at least for myself being on the air on Saturday afternoon after the story broke on Friday night that the trade for Sadiq Bay was in jeopardy because of a failed physical by Gary Payton II. It certainly gave us a lot of fodder to talk about, which was fun. But, Mike, I'm not going to lie, it was a little confusing and trying to decipher some of the stuff with limited information was left some of us kind of scatterbrained. Yeah, and the, the reason why the information was limited is there's really only so much that the Hawks could have explained because the holdup wasn't really on their end. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was two or three steps behind the, the Hawks getting Sadiq Bay. Um, so, yeah, kind of an interesting story. When, when I got to the arena on Saturday to do the pregame show, my sources told me kind of unanimously that uh, they thought that Sadiq Bay was going to end up with the Hawks and that Portland was probably going to be penalized, but uh, they were going to find a way to make it work, that Golden State was not going to, uh, you know, essentially reverse the trade and force teams to take back players that they had already traded. So I don't know if there was quite as much drama uh, as may have appeared on Saturday morning, like when I'm, I'm seeing tweets trade and serious jeopardy and, and using language like that. I mean, that that's a tad dramatic. I don't know if it ever really got to that point, just based on what my sources told me, but an interesting story. And I think it goes back to something we've talked about uh, a lot here on this podcast, Chris, is that you can never really predict what is going to control the news cycle when you're about to do your show right like when, when you were planning out your show um you, you know maybe thursday first part of friday uh i'm guessing you were probably assuming that the sadiq bay thing was going to be confirmed and that there'd be enough time for everyone on this radio station to react to it it, it might have been something you talked about but it probably wouldn't be something that you'd spend quite a bit of time on no. Uh, it just goes to show you that the news cycle is undefeated and that there's always going to be a surprise that that's around the corner. And we as hosts and producers need to kind of adapt to that and be ready to, to be flexible because our listeners were coming to us on Saturday, wanting information on what was going on there and wanting an explanation. It was probably very difficult for you. And then, um, you know, the dopies who were on after you, to explain it because the amount of information that we had on it was rather limited. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. It was like a develop, you know, anything that resembles a soap opera is always good for us and good to talk about. Um, yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, the drama of sort of, will they, won't they, will he be here? Won't they be, won't he be here was a fun angle to talk about. But, you know, like you said, I was coming in hot, ready to talk about the Super Bowl. And then all, of, and all of a sudden, you know, you see something that I, I can't remember happening at, at least recently, something, something like this. I mean, there's been instances in the NBA where for one reason or another, a trade that you thought was going to go through falls apart. But for one team being alleged to have 
kept information about injuries and uh, allegations of toward all shots and things of that nature. It provided a whole nother level for it. So it was really interesting to talk about. And uh, yeah, it sort of was always in the back. As, as we were breaking down the Super Bowl, I had guests on locally, guests on nationally. Uh, it was always when you're resetting the show and resetting the conversation, it was, oh, hey, don't forget that, you know, this player that the Hawks were looking to count on to be one of their main cogs off the bench for the rest of the season might not be coming here. And it's for a pretty absurd reason once all the details are coming in. So it was uh, it made for some drama, which is always good for sports radio. Yeah, I don't again, like I said, I, I don't oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Didn't mean to talk over the sound effect there. I, I don't know if it was quite as dramatic as maybe it was painted to be by some folks in the national media on Saturday, but it still it still was something that we absolutely had to pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. And now everything is good. Everyone can relax. He will be here. Hopefully playing. The, we're recording this on Monday. Hopefully he will suit up tonight. Undoubtedly. He could have played on Saturday. I mean, he was ready to go. That was the awkward thing. Like, he's he's sitting on the bench. He's in the locker room. The Hawks have announced the trade and confirmed it, but he can't play. Uh, they didn't need him on Saturday, fortunately, but uh, it was just, it was awkward. It, it's, I've never really seen that before with the team that I'm covering where, um, you know, everything's in place, players in town. He's taking a picture with his new Jersey on and everything. In fact, I think the Hawks tweeted that last night, ironically during the Super Bowl. And it's just <laughs> a, a little bit of advice, unsolicited advice. Um, if you're not, one of the teams playing in the actual Super Bowl, you may just want to give your social media staff a couple hours off mm. during the Super Bowl because nothing you tweet out is going to be noticed. Uh, and the Hawks, they put out this photo of Sadiq Bay in a Hawks jersey during the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. I think when the game was tied at 35. Um, I'm, I'm going to imagine the engagement on that post is probably not what they wanted it to be. Yeah, we, we call that getting buried in the algorithm. That yep. is uh, unfortunate. All right, guys, in our hall, pick it up. You're better than this. We know that. All right, now we will officially transition. All right, Mike, real simple question. Then we'll get into the uh, minutiae of it. What would you think of the commercials in the Super Bowl? Disappointed for the most part. I thought there were a couple good ones, but I don't know. Like, First of all, I'm one of those sickos who watches a couple hours of the pregame show. Um, I know not everyone does. I, I do. I always have. I, I've always kind of enjoyed it. I, I I do enjoy where, you know, the entertainment and sports worlds kind of um, not clash, but mesh. Uh, and I think for the last probably 25 to 30 years, the Super Bowl pregame show has been a lot of that where – there is a lot of content about the game. There is some analysis, but it's a lot of fun too. And I, I just, I love to see those worlds combined. So I'm a sicko. I watch a lot of the pregame show. I mean, I might be crazy, but I remember a couple of years ago, the pregame show used to have a lot of the newer commercials that, uh, you know, were eagerly anticipated and, and, you know, kind of promoted in a word of mouth since this year. Uh, the pregame show was like all Pizza Hut and Burger King commercials, and none of them were new. Now, I, I, I get why Pizza Hut and Burger King are advertising a lot during the pregame show because everyone's ordering pizza 
or you know ordering food of some kind so i i get it but give me a new commercial at least um i don't know chris like i just thought during the game not too many of the commercials were really funny um yeah, one or one or two or three were um none of them were even remotely controversial or edgy in any no. way shape or form which i think kind of reflects how corporate america now might be in a position where they're just they're really kind of afraid to take chances uh for fear of alienating customers um or being canceled or, or yeah exactly um i thought the the best three or four ads ironically one of them wasn't even in the national broadcast it ran in one of the local break in fact two of them two of them uh, two of the best ones ran in local atlanta breaks not in the national breaks and it was the the xfinity ad about red flags and we can go back into this but the xfinity ad about red flags yep and the sam adams spot about the brighter lager i think is what they called it i thought those two were actually very funny and it's my understanding that they only ran in select markets they they didn't necessarily run uh nationally those breaks at the end of the court here's a little media tip for you uh in regular season games playoff super bowl those end of quarter breaks you'll see a promo uh for something that the the tv network is doing in this case last night fox and then as soon as that promo ends, that cues the local affiliate to play their commercials. So that Xfinity spot, I think, played at the end of the first quarter. The Sam Adams spot was definitely end of the third quarter. So it was in that local window. Um, so I, I thought, you know, for the most part, it was, it was a lot of advertising about electric vehicles. I'm not really into that. Uh, you know, the, the, in some cases, I mean, there were ads about religions uh, various religions, yes. uh, again, kind of odd. Um, I didn't really think anything was all that funny other than maybe the Dunkin' Donuts ad with Ben Affleck, but then I thought that had a cheesy ending. Um, the, the commercial in the second quarter, uh, the, the brand of dog food, um, farmers fresh or whatever yeah uh that that was very tough for me i i i struggled with that one a lot i, I got very very emotional on that one just because i think those of us who, who have owned dogs that that really that tugged at the heartstrings so that was actually an excellent ad it just wasn't funny uh but it definitely made an impression uh outside of that disappointing to be honest with you i, I don't know if these companies have have uh, skimped on their their budgets or what? I'll tell you one ad that actually was brilliant. I thought it, you know, I take that back. Not in a funny sense, but uh, oh my god, what, what am I sitting on my remote control? Yes. Uh, in the fourth quarter, who was it? Uh, Fubo TV or I think it was Tubi. Tubi. That was like I literally I audibly screamed like what the, you know, and I'm looking for my remote and everything because I thought maybe. Uh, you know, one of my dogs had kind of brushed up against the remote and had turned the game off like that. That was very, very well executed, very well done. But it didn't make me want to sign up for Tubi. No. <laughs> they call that they call that commercial like a meta commercial. Yeah. Sort of breaking yes. of the fourth wall, 
getting getting inside your brain and trying to play some tricks on it. I you yeah. know what? I will say I agree with you. I actually really liked the Ben Affleck and J Lo commercial. Yeah, I thought the the ending was cheesy, but I thought yeah. everything up to that point was really good. Um, and for me, it's a bit of nostalgia, but I think it hits it hits different for me than it would for you because of our generation gap. The YouTube TV commercial with the cat playing the keyboard, yeah, um, yeah, because that's one of the original viral videos and they were playing up to that and i remember that that brought me back to a place where yep. when youtube first started it wasn't about becoming an influencer the the biggest videos on the internet were cats playing the piano and <laughs> and guys and guys you know showing off lightsabers in tune with the star wars theme song and it just brought right. me back to a place in time i did like the workday commercial too with all the old rock stars i thought that was kind of funny okay. um where they had like Kiss and they had Joan Jett, uh, you know, coming in for workday. I thought that one was okay. And the other uh, two be with, with the rat with the rabbit hole. I really like that. Was that was good. Yeah, yeah, that I, was good. because I, I like fall in the rabbit holes. Like I can relate to that. I fall in the rabbit holes all the time on YouTube. Lose a lot of productivity in the office by doing that. So, I, like, I, I could, I could relate to that. That was good. And now, one question to close out this segment now. Because this seems to be the conversation every year, exactly what we're talking about now, sort of a dip in quality. They're not as memorable. Do we have sort of a pre-internet age nostalgia for the Super Bowl commercials? Because I feel like that's wow. sort of looked at as the golden age of the commercials. And yes. a lot of it has to do with the exclusivity that it was back then. The only place and time you could watch it was during the Super Bowl. That is, Chris, that is a really great call. I didn't even think about that, but you make a good point. Like I shoot, I remember as a kid, like we would we would see either in the newspaper or maybe in the grocery store or something like that. Like there would be promotional setups previewing commercials that would debut during the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Like a Bud Bowl. <laughs> that, that, that was crazy. Like, the, and I know it's a really silly thing. It's claymation beer bottles playing football, but the Bud Bowl, I mean, there was a months long campaign by Anheuser Busch leading up to that. And I, I want to say it was the uh, one of the 49ers Broncos Super Bowl. It was, uh, or maybe even it was, uh, the 49ers Bengals. I don't remember, but, but like literally th there were weeks and weeks of anticipation. Like, Oh, what, what's the bud bowl going to be? This is going to be really cool. Um, what else? Uh, um, like, I, I feel like the, Pepsi had a campaign one Super Bowl where they were, they were kind of giving you like little hints, little crumbs, cookie crumbs here and there, what, what they might do this, this outrageous ad that they were going to debut during the Super Bowl, because you're right. Like we didn't have the internet or social media or YouTube even, um, you know, or any kind of on-demand service where we could see this kind of content before it would actually reach our television screens. Yeah, the but uh, the Clydesdales is the one that always comes to everyone's mind. For me, it was the uh, Taco Bell Chihuahua yep. that talked. Uh, the there was a Doritos commercial and a laundromat. I always remember where somebody the Budweiser frogs. Uh, that was a big one. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, it really the, 
the one commercial that is pointed to as like the epic Super Bowl ad of all time was when Apple introduced the Macintosh. Mm. Uh, and it was the Raiders at that time, Redskins Super Bowl in 1984. Uh, and it, it was this, this epic ad that was, I mean, probably Oscar worthy production levels. And, and the whole point was 1984 is not going to be like 1984, the novel. Uh, that is looked at as like the epic, but I, Chris, I even remember like picking up 3d glasses at either the grocery store or McDonald's <laughs> or something like that, because they promised that they were going to be doing commercials in 3d during the Super Bowl. Like it was crazy. And then like, you'd be waiting and, and my mom would be like, okay, get your glasses ready. You know, I, I think it's coming up in this break and it wouldn't, you would wait until the next break and you'd have your glasses ready. It was nuts how the honestly the commercials were almost bigger than the game itself yeah like, that's what it felt like the other thing too chris i tweeted about this last night i was born in 1981 the first super bowl i had like a conscious memory of watching as a kid was the giants broncos super mm. bowl uh which would have been 1986 season 1987 yep. Super Bowl. That's the first one I remember vividly watching as a kid. The Super Bowl, when I was a kid, usually the game sucked with one or two exceptions. Like you would hope for the Bengals to qualify because they would usually give you a pretty good game. Or there was the Bills Giants where Scott Norwood missed the field goal. Other than that, the Super Bowl, when I was a kid, up until the Elway Packers Super Bowl, was terrible year after year after year the game was just awful the nfc was always dominating and it it was really always the same teams it was always either san francisco or washington or um dallas green, dallas and then green bay it's always the same teams uh so because the game was always so lousy like the commercials were really the reason why you watched and why you tuned in I just don't feel like it is that way anymore. I could be totally wrong. I mean, obviously, we watch football in a very serious way now because we talk about it for work. But I just, I feel, I'm i with you, Chris. I feel like that era has ended. And probably a lot of it has to do with we're bombarded with advertising all the time on the internet. You have to be creative now to make impressions just on the internet. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're just running out of creativity. Yeah, and uh, when it costs $7 million for a commercial, a lot of people just punt. Yeah. All right. Some real good news uh, came out of the Super Bowl as well. As uh, over the last couple of weeks, starting at the NFL Honors, we got to hear from DeMar Hamlin, which is uh, really good uh, for his future, not just with the NFL potentially, but just to see him up and about and walking and speaking very eloquently and coherently. So here's a little bit of what he had to say. Every day I am amazed that my experiences could encourage so many others across the country and even across the world. Encourage to pray, encourage to spread love, and encourage to keep fighting no matter the circumstances. Sudden cardiac arrest was nothing I would have ever chosen to be a part of my story. But that's because sometimes our own visions are too small, even when we think we are seeing the bigger picture. And that's uh, really well said there by DeMar. And it's just crazy to think when you think about from where that story started to where it is now. 
in a very short span of time too. Uh, Hamlin really comes off as a good guy, doesn't he? Like I, I really, I've really come to admire him a great deal. I'll admit I really did not know a whole lot about him as a player prior to this incident. I know he went to Pitt, um, and and I, I do remember a little bit of him, you know, with the Bills prior to this incident, but. Uh, I feel like obviously we've learned way more about him over the last six or seven weeks. And he just comes off as a really solid guy, really, really good guy. Someone that we're, we're obviously all rooting for as part of the sports community. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting yesterday. He, he gave the interview with Michael Strahan during the pregame show. And he, he said that he always kind of wanted to be a private person. And it's interesting now how, this medical emergency has occurred to him, and suddenly now he's not really able to be a private person anymore nope. for something that was completely out of his control. Uh, it's just kind of crazy how life throws you a left hook like that. Uh, but he's handled it very gracefully. I also thought it was interesting he said that he didn't want to talk about the incident. Um, to me, if, if, if you're giving interviews, I, I think you kind of you almost have to. Uh, I, I, granted I'm not in his shoes, but, um, I, I hope there will be a day where he can get to the point where he's a little more comfortable sharing about the incident, because I think it's a very, I mean, it's an awful thing that happened to him, but fortunately he recovered. Um, I I'm just kind of curious from a human standpoint, you know, what exactly happened? How much was he aware of at the time? Um, but that, that's for another day. I suppose. Uh, I think he's handled all of this attention incredibly gracefully. And again, it's a testament to his doctors. I mean, two or three weeks ago, there was debate as to whether or not he could even go to a Bills game as a fan because they were worried about fatigue and the strain that it would put on his um, his pulmonary system uh, coming off sudden cardiac arrest. And two or three weeks later, he's He's out in uh, in Arizona being a, a big part of the Super Bowl festivities. So it's a remarkable job by everyone who protected him on that night. And I think he's done a really good job of trying to use this incident uh, as, as hopefully being a catalyst of awareness and change and uh, making sure that we're all taking uh, pulmonary health seriously and that we all know how to do CPR, which I, I think is a very, very important thing for a very important skill for all of us to know. Yeah. I mean, he went from being a solid NFL player on a good team that, uh, you know, certainly took a backseat to guys like Josh Allen on his own team in terms of recognizable faces and figures to now uh, taking pictures with LeBron James at the Super Bowl. So right. um, it's certainly a, a turnaround in that regard for, as you said, somebody that wanted to be known more for, uh, you know, being a, a silent contributor to a team and somebody that shows up to work and just does the right thing. Now he's become one of the faces of the NFL because he's known much more by the average person walking around in society than – I don't know, a random good NFL player, Mark Andrews, tight end for the Buffalo Bills. He's <laughs> right. a superstar in the NFL. But if you right. go ask a random person walking down the street, do you know who Mark Andrews is? They're probably going to say no. But nope. if you ask them who DeMar Hamlin is, everyone you know, will he, know. He was front page of every newspaper in America, led every TV and radio broadcast for basically a week straight 
just giving up. There were updates constantly on his health, on, you know, where he was, on him being transferred back home and then being sent home and then making his first public appearance. We've been documenting his story ever since the second that that incident on the field happened. And, you know, as with everything else, time will push the next thing to the forefront, especially now that the NFL season is over. But if and when the first time he takes the field again, that'll be another momentous occasion that'll be covered like, you know, a movie in Hollywood. Yeah, and and they're saying that's going to happen. There seems to be a lot of almost certainty that he's going to be able to play again. Just a miraculous story. Total miracle. Yeah. All right, so what did we learn today? Hawks are the face of drama in the NBA, if anything else. (laughs) Super Bowl commercials stink, and we're all rooting for DeMar Hamlin. So with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Off Air Podcast. By the way, we are now on YouTube. We will be posting these episodes on YouTube, so go to youtube.com slash 92.9thegame, and you can see Mike and I's beautiful faces. We have faces for radio, but... If you want to check us out anyway, that's where we'll be. So cool news there. For Mike Conti, the head honcho, follow him at MikeConti929. I am Chris Thomas at C Thomas Radio. We'll catch you next time on the Off Air Podcast.